Good morning and a happy Friday to you folks. It is a beautiful day outside and I know it is where you are too. Today the word of the day is intrinsic motivation. Intrinsic motivation. I almost feel like I need to spell that. Begins with the letter I. Now intrinsic motivation is a deep desire from within to persist on a task. How many of us have that persistency, that stubbornness? There's an actual scientific word, intrinsic motivation. Now, one of the biggest determinants of intrinsic motivation is autonomy, the ability to do things the way we want. So do not limit yourself. If you're journaling and it feels stale, stop it. Do not limit yourself. Go out and be intrinsic motivation and get that motivation from within because do the things that you want to do to your liking. That's why you're here. You are here to become an original individual, not a carbon copy. My son and I started a gratitude jar. Every day we are writing something down that we are grateful for, dropping it in the jar. That way if we ever have a day that we're down and out, We empty the jar out, and we can see why we are so grateful on this planet. Folks, have a fantastic Friday. All right. It's time to play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Show, play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spees. That is Sterling. Good it is morning. a Friday. Finally, Friday. Oh my goodness. Look at you getting all wacky and zany like douche and the, what's his name? Crazy Ira and the douche. Crazy Ira and the douche. <laughs> See, that's it. I, I keep wanting another, you know, cool, cool name for the radio. But yeah, man, it's Friday. Be happy, right? Cool new nicknames. Well, API has got a new nickname. EPI, the European Petroleum <laughs> Institute. Isn't there a surrender in there somewhere? Don't they need an S? <laughs> That's a French, isn't it? Yeah. I, I do, I do want to know what the history with French in Texas is. France and Texas, because they're involved with the Alamo flag and six flags. And there's, there's a Paris, Texas. There's a Paris, Texas. When you said that the other day, that's why I'm going, I got to find out why yeah. France got so, I mean, they, they got like, just like, What's the word? Uh, literary genocide or something? Because obviously they had a foothold. Well, they they owned you know they owned a good part of the country that we got with the Louisiana Purchase, exactly. and they owned Louisiana and stuff. So maybe that's it. I figure always figured Texas was so big they just needed they ran out of their own name. I just always wondered like why is France keep popping up in different Texas history, and I've never heard anything about it. Man, I would love to meet a like even Frenchman the, with a Texan accent. Totally. I mean, even King of the Hill. There was an episode where he was going through the six flags and then he goes france has a flag for some reason even <laughs> even hank hill didn't know on king of the hill so that guy knows everything about oh, texas man. he learns it from big tex <laughs> folks welcome to the crude life morning show play hard work hard my name is jason Speece. that is sterling and as i teased and mentioned uh, api came out yesterday and endorsed a carbon price carbon tax i believe they endorsed the carbon tax actually of course they support carbon pricing now pricing okay i think just another word for tax right yeah it's actually synonymous when you go to the world bank uh they they do interchange it or they there's really not much of a differential and so anyway well we're going to talk about that in uh the next segment oh we do have 
requests out to U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer. We've got requests out to um, Jerry Simmons from DEPA uh, to get his reaction. Of course, Mike Summers from API as well. I think we should try for uh, the climate envoy himself, too. John Kerry, yeah, the, the new, his, his the new voice of oil and gas, yeah, because yeah. everybody's going the John Kerry way now. <laughs> well, if you look at the last three, four months, energy secretary, uh, the CEO of Occidental, uh, and now API, yeah. Mike Summers are from API. And I can We're name, not even halfway through the year yet. I, and, and I could name two or three more, yep. but that's just off the top of my head, who are now going down the narrative path of John Kerry. So what did we say last year? Defined by defection. Defined by defection. We're not even three months into this year yet. We're, what do we got? A couple more, five more days, yeah. six more days, and we're <laughs> done with the third month? See, I wonder, is it slowing down or speeding up? Because it feels like it's speeding up. I think it's speeding up, too. Huh. So it's very, what, what's very peculiar about this, actually, is nobody cares. There isn't anybody in leadership that cares. Well, what can they do about it now? I mean, it seems well, like not, a steamroller, like, right? Now. Yeah. Now. No, they don't have the narrative. Oh, you're going to react again? Yeah. React, so, react, react. As far as I know, the Crude Life and DEPA, the Domestic Energy Producers Alliance, mm -hmm. I think we were the only ones that even questioned this API endorsement when it came out in the Wall Street Journal, just, you know, kind of just... Blew my mind. I saw, it was like a one-line throwaway in another article where they talked about it. And yeah. if we wouldn't have had it on this show in our News Rumors and Newspeak segment, I would have never known anything about it because I don't read that crap. Not until this came out, yeah. I don't read that crap, right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So um, I'm surprised. I know that when I actually... I reached out to Yeah, over, I was going to say, didn't you oh, I reached ask out people to about it 20, after that? 20 alliance councils, all these, all these six, seven figured people who get paid to be leaders. Right. They all just, none of them. In fact, some of them actually said no comment. Like, like wow. they're, dude, you get paid. This is like a real legitimate moment of leadership. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're what? You're going to go golf. You're going to go Mardi Gras. You're going to go drink and, and have fun and, and go to these networking events when you got the top lobbyist group now saying we're going to introduce a carbon pricing endorsement after the last 10 years. They were saying exactly the opposite. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't that be kind of like the NRA coming out and saying, oh, you know what? We're actually kind of against guns. Uh, pretty close. <laughs> I mean, or, or in favor of some of the, you know, yeah, legislation we want bullet taxes or yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, bullet tax. Yeah, actually. I mean, it just it just seems like the whole reason. I mean, it's even in the name. It's a little bit. It's even, it's even beyond a bullet tax, actually, because I think it's more about going along with the narrative yeah. of the people trying to get rid of you. Well, that's that's what is it called again? The ESG, the Environmental Social Governance. Yeah, you know, it's that stuff. It's, yeah, well, it's, the, that's kind of the soft transition. Yeah, this is the um, kind of the pull the bandaid yeah, off. It's a, ow, done type thing. So, well, we'll see what happens. Who knows? Well, I mean, it'd be nice if we could get like, Mike Summers. Um, like I said, I don't know if anybody cares. Yeah. Well, it doesn't I, seem I like I really it. don't know. Maybe are we getting excited for no reason? Well, the reason we're getting excited because, you know, we fell for their crap the last 10 years by saying that they cared about this stuff. Yeah. But when, you know, it when, when the shit hits the fan, they, they don't. 
They don't care. You know what's what's interesting to me as a total outsider to this? Because the same people are going to get the same money to keep quiet. Right. And six months ago, I bet if you'd asked API what their thought was on carbon pricing, they'd been absolutely against it. But you know, at that point, this had to have been in the pipeline. Pre, Pre-Trump election and yeah. post-Trump election. Exactly. Probably, there was a switch, right? Yeah, there was a switch. It's Boy, like, that's the re- type of leadership you want. Holy oh, smokes. Man, that's like the leadership in Old Brother Where Art Thou. Just a- Remember when he's on there and the Soggy <laughs> Bottom Boys, he wanted them in jail? Yep. And then he finds out the people like him. Oh, it's Soggy Bottom Day. Hey, everybody. <laughs> he makes them as advisors. Let's, let's pardon them and bring them in as advisors. Absolutely. You're part of the youth movement now. And that is, you know, that's, that's blowing in the wind. That's that's definitely just kind of bend in any which way. Well, if the government is going to control the marketplace, that's the type of leadership the government wants. Yeah. They want the people who are not going to challenge them. They want the people who's going to lock, stock, and barrel go with them. But at the same time, my understanding of what the oil and gas industry was built on, it was built on skin in the game, mm-hmm. entrepreneurs who took risks with their families. Not people who were subsidized from the government out of the get-go. Yeah. Okay? And if that's not the case, then please let me know. But that was my understanding. And that's what drew me to the oil and gas industry was the fact that it still had the old-school capitalism of personal choice and just the fact that you could take someone without an education, really, that understood how physics worked or how engineering worked or how showing up every day and making sure that the transportation got there on time. Driving the trucks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Understanding that responsibilities work. Yeah, I mean, somebody could go and make a good living by investing in themselves. Okay, so if we are now out of the existential energy of enabling the investment of yourself and we're just going to do what the government says, well, then I think people should know that. Yeah, I mean, it does. That's what it looks like, is it looks like we're being channeled, you know, just into there's only two or three different things you can do, as opposed to 40, 50 years ago, where it was, you know, it was it was the Wild West, man. It was open frontiers. It seemed more like the Wild West yep. when it was just that, that, it was just opportunity. Yeah. You had opportunity out there. but So anyway, we'll get to that. Well, we kind of already did get to that, so we can move well, on. Well, yeah, I mean, this has been that. on our mind, obviously. Well, we probably should actually get to the actual news story then in, in terms of what it is so we can get to the legit part of it, not just my my, uh, <laughs> my verbal diarrhea venting there. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's... the American Petroleum Institute released a robust policy framework of industry and government actions to address the risks of climate change while meeting the world's long-term energy needs. Okay, right there. That first sentence shows you how much API is conceded. Yeah, that I didn't even understand most okay, of it. Okay, so they're endorsing climate change yeah. by saying to address the risks of climate change. So right there, I didn't realize API has accepted climate change. Yeah. That's a big part, too. Well, okay? and, and that's what I mean is that this couldn't have just been an overnight convergence come to Jesus moment. They had to have been planning for this. Without a doubt. Ahead of the 26th Conference of Parties, COP26, API shared analysis, initiatives, and policy solutions to build on the progress of the U.S. has made in driving emissions to generational lows, including accelerating technology and innovation, further mitigating emissions from operations, endorsing a carbon price policy, advanced cleaner fuels, and driving climate reporting. All right, so right there... Again, that 
there's a there's a little bit there, but you got to read between the lines. So, API has shared analysis that says that we are driving emissions to generational lows. If we're at generational lows, why are they conceding? Huh. So what they're saying is that they don't agree with their own science, <laughs> right? Isn't that that's, that's kind of what it sounds like to me? Isn't yeah. that what I'm reading? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, it's well. I, I noted one thing that that uh, Summers said when he was talking about the Biden administration goal of net zero uh, carbon emissions by 2050. He said there's no way it is feasible without technologies that aren't currently in the marketplace today. We think that the best way to do that is through a market-based carbon pricing mechanism that isn't picking winners and losers. But it is, isn't it? It absolutely is picking winners and losers. Yeah. Anytime anybody says we're not picking winners and losers, they're picking winners and losers. Because the way this is going to go is the poor are going to get impacted right away. Mm-hmm. The poor people are, okay? Because this is going to trickle down. And it's going to raise the cost of your heating and cooling. Yeah. It's going to raise the cost of your uh, um, gasoline. In fact, I got an email. I'm sorry, a text message on my handheld computer that you call an iPhone. <laughs> Actually, so, I call it my future phone. Here's the text I got. It's disgusting. My friend lives in an area where they don't allow wood-burning fireplaces He's forced to pay a higher utility cost and a carbon tax for using his wood-burning fireplace. Gosh, man, up in Minnesota, wood is considered one of the most plentiful and inexpensive fuel sources. This is what people in the city don't understand. Well, that's why you so can't So the rural do- and the poor are the ones who yeah. are going to get impacted first. That's why you can't, unfortunately, you can't just go, everybody must do this because there's people out here that have the wood burners and the, and the boilers. They can't do that. You know, so it screws the people, like you're saying. You can't just blanket statement this stuff. They have to. Ah, this man. is rank prejudice. Yeah. This is another just smoke and mirrors. That's a rank prejudice, and it's going to hurt the industry. Oh, absolutely. It's well, going to hurt the industry. How many of the people have we talked to in the last couple of weeks? We've interviewed that you know they they have their own small business as well. Yeah. You know, in the oil and gas. I mean, you think about the effects on that. You think about what percentage of people actually are going to be able to transition to wind, like some of the people you've been talking to, and how many people are going to fall through the cracks? Yeah, it's just going to control the marketplace more. It's going to pick winners and losers. And it's gonna it's gonna just create more polarization in the industry. And at the end of the day, it's not gonna go away. No, are, are we living in the last generation of oil and gas workers? Oh no! Oh no! I mean, oh, no. No, I mean, there's still there's still coal workers. Yeah. You know, there's there'll be oil and gas. Yeah, I know. But, yeah. but we're gonna be down to a handful of companies. Mm-hmm controlling the global supply yep. okay consolidate this consolidate. is the the existential energy following that ongoing story mm-hmm. that i've been doing now for five years okay and i said it'd be a dozen companies controlling 80 yeah. percent five years ago what did kramer say u.s senator kevin kramer last year in november i believe when i brought it up to him mm-hmm. he said three companies controlling 95 percent of the global oil supply. Yeah. Saudi Ramco, China. Okay, who's next? Yeah. I mean, really? Seriously. Russia. Uh, Russia will sell to China. Russia and yeah. China are one together. Us, so, I guess. That's what I'm saying. I mean, who, who in America is left? Yeah. So what do you got? You got Shell, Exxon, BP. 
That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but all, is, all of those companies foreign owned, Shell is, BP is. Yeah. Yeah. So they're more European based companies, I believe. Well, European yeah. Union will yeah. probably just who knows. I mean, this is this is what's going to end up happening. Well, in North Dakota, there, I'll, I'll I'll bet you a steak dinner, and I don't eat meat, so I'll bet you a plant based dinner. Okay, <laughs> that they're gonna. I don't know if it's going to be an energy mm-hmm. or coal, but there's going to be a North Dakota state owned power plant in the next five years. They're gonna they're gonna buy the coal plant. Take it okay. over. Absolutely. Yeah. We have, North Dakota has a state bank. Mm-hmm. North Dakota has a state flour mill yeah. to keep out 3M. Yeah. Okay. So initially, there's always this good intention to help the people. But then, of course, like everything, well, it gets abused. Yeah, then the people that do it control starts, it. You, yeah. can't, you can't even get a, uh, uh, take out uh, a checking account at the Bank of North Dakota anymore. They've rewritten the laws so many times there. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. That used to be a bank. Right. You can't go get a checking account. <laughs> it's now not a bank, bank for you and me. No, not anymore. Yeah. yeah. But that's what it used to be. Sure. Okay. Blue Cross Blue Shield, the insurance company, yeah. used to be the Catholic Church. Okay. The bishops started it. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know the hat that they used to pass around? Yeah. That was actually the first form of medical insurance was that, oh, the congregation has to help Sterling's operation because... You know, back before insurances, yep. well, it was all of a sudden a $5,000 bill, so they passed the hat around the church, mm-hmm. and that would help take care and offset the costs. Well, then the churches then turned that into insurance, right? Yeah. The hospitals used to be churches, too. St. Francis, St. Yep. Ansgard. You go take a look at all the old churches. They're named after saints because they were run by the hos- or by the churches, yeah, okay? Yeah, the hospitals, yep. Look how far that's changed. Yeah, no kidding. Are you kidding me, insurance companies, yeah. to actually think that at one time they had ethics? <laughs> what are you, nuts? <laughs> well, like you said, starts off with good intentions right. and then gets easily corrupted. So anyway, we, I was going to tell we're, you we're about... kind of a bummer on a Friday. Well, I was going to start <laughs> off by telling you about the neighbor's dog. Yeah, Frackleberry. Uh, attacked Frackleberry this morning. So we'll, we'll talk about that okay, when we come seemed, back. She seems a little unsettled. She, so. Oh, she was shook. Yeah. She was shook, man. Um, and we'll, yeah, we'll get, okay, we'll get we'll to talk it. about that. Frackleberry Hound was attacked by one of those. It was a Czechoslovakian shepherd. Oh, man. Not, not the German, not the Belgianese, but the, uh, the, the Czech one, which is like the top of the, the, the police one because right. these ones are real. These guys can, like, chew through stone. Titanium teeth. Titanium. Folks, we'll be right back here on the Play Hard, Work Hard Morning Show. That is Sterling. My name is Jason Spies, and I hear Frackleberry Hound. I feel all right. Well, I'm doing okay. Well, I'm here for the moment, you know, and then I'm on my way. Music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by Orange Property Management. The origins of Orange Property Management date back to the year 2000 when Fargo native Mike Marcille, an entrepreneur who was living in California, 
was starting to acquire residential properties in the Bay Area as a little side venture. Fast forward to today, Orange Property Management has grown to 36 full-time employees across 13 communities with a portfolio of over 1,300 residential and commercial units ranging from single-family homes to multi-family apartment developments. For more information, visit their website, orangeproperties.com. That's orangeproperties.com. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life, and I'd like to take a moment to tell you about Kate's Man Cave and how Kate has improved my mind, body, and my soul. Kate's Man Cave uses the latest in sexual health education high-quality hygiene products, and the hottest, and I do mean hottest, accessories from Pure Romance. Kate's Man Cave has enhanced my life more than I could ever imagine. Kate's Man Cave has quality products for my bath and shower, as well as my overall wellness. But between you and me, and anyone else listening, they also have products for my bedroom and my boudoir. It takes a real man to enter Kate's Man Cave, so if you're a real man or you want to turn your boy into a man, then check out Kate's Man Cave today. That's Kate's Man Cave. Play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Welcome back to the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spies. That is Sterling. It is a wild, wild, wild morning here. Weird, wacky, it's wild, a wacky, stuff. wild day. But you know what? I'm glad it's Friday. We should mention, by the way, coming up in the second half in the work hard segment. Ooh, I mean, that's great. Uh, yeah, you're gonna love it because. Okay, ready? House Bill 1452. Oh man. House Bill 1412. House Bill 1380, Senate Bill 2291, and House Bill 1458 we're going to talk about the next hour. (laughs) Can you contain yourself? Oh, wait, in North Dakota. Yeah. Oh, oh, man, (laughs) I'm excited in my chest now. So what we're doing, folks, is a follow-up on these House bills that affect the oil and gas industry, of course. And Dustin Goverlow, he's with the North Dakota Watchdog Network. You Mm -hmm. might have seen him on... uh, Statewide TV yeah, last night. Yep. Uh, he was interviewed by Rick Becker on Bismarck TV. Of course, he was on Chris Berg uh, on uh, KVLY Point of View. Joel Heidkamp had him on earlier. So he's making the rounds. Making the rounds. And we had him scheduled two weeks ago, mm-hmm. but we kept missing each other, missing each other. We finally connected today. Like ships. And, and actually, it, the timing worked out really good because he, ha- he had more to talk about. Okay. You know, he had more to talk about because that's why he's doing the circuit right yeah. now is because everybody wants an update on these bills. And um, a lot of coal bills. Yeah, what's going on with that? A lot of coal bills. That's what made my prediction, by the way, that I think the state of North Dakota is going to be in the coal business really soon and have a state-run power 
company, Power so, Mill. Sometimes we should do a little segment on how unique North Dakota is in that sense that they've really tried to, you know, they initially tried to protect the farmers and yeah. the banks and stuff like that. Okay, so that's coming up in the next hour, folks. So those people who are, you know, there's a lot of people that are in Texas and Colorado and 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 um, the East Coast, of course, Hess and yeah. This doesn't where, just affect North oh, Dakota. This these is these interviews ripple effect. The CEOs listen to very closely yeah. because oh, this is millions of dollars. Like there's one in here where the Clean Energy Sustainability Fund. There's three different directions of funneling money on three different bills with a new thing called the clean energy sustainability fund oh it sounds pretty. so if you're and that's what dustin said he goes it sounds pretty doesn't yeah, it it's just so sparkly so if you're for that you're yeah. going to want to pay close attention but if you're not in that club well then you're going to want to pay close attention <laughs> how do we get a slice of this fat money cake we need to come up with better names than the crude life. <sighs> Clean Energy Sustainability Fund. What should we? What would be a good name for instead of the crude life? The clean. What, what's a good vanilla name? I don't know. What's a good vanilla that name? Sparkles. I don't know. Or or does it need to be you know Freedom Lubricants like that? Yeah, does, Freedom Juicers. Yeah, do we Freedom Juicing? Yeah. Do we need something like that? I or think it's or hard does to go it wrong. need to be like uh, Freedom Eagle Juice? You know, organic. Operation Tope. Righteous Cowboy. Righteous, right. It's something like that. Anyway, let's <laughs> let's get to Frackleberry Hound Yeah, okay. Here. So I want to know your opinion on this because I, this has been really bothering me. So my, my neighbor across the street, who's not a climate activist, mm-hmm. but she does work for a liberal arts college. Ah, okay. And her house is facing south, so she's absorbing solar energy too. So... She's well. She's been a check getter her whole life. She's mm. never, you know, had a, a skin in the skin in the game type job. Okay. Right. Well, it's a different personality. It mm-hmm. just is out of the gate. So she has a Czechoslovakian shepherd. I forget the actual name, but you know, there's German shepherds. The uh, the, the I'd never heard of a Czechoslovakian. Well, there's the Belgianese. Okay, you know the Belgian. Yeah, because Czechoslovakia doesn't even exist anymore. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, there's no okay. Czechoslovakia well, it's a anymore. Czech. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, a Czech that's shepherd. A, that's a person, right? Or a, a race? Yeah, okay. I, I guess. Yeah, but... we are awesome on dogs, aren't we? <laughs> and then so, my, large dog. And my other neighbor has a Japanese German shepherd. Man. I but I call him, it's a Japanese shepherd, but they have their own name for it. Right. And so I've got like these four different like countries. Like international city and, here. And, and the Microsoft one's got an English shepherd. Oh, yeah. And so, I think there's a Shih Tzu across the street, too. No, that was just me earlier. <laughs> It's just me earlier. All right, so so you're out there with Frackleberry. gorgeous dog, mm-hmm. gorgeous dog, and Frackleberry and I we go on our morning bike ride because she's got to get her ten miles in before <laughs> before nine a.m. Yeah, she's or, very ambulatory, or there'll be trouble. Yeah. And so uh, we're on the very end. Actually, we're we're coming to the home stretch, mm-hmm. and I see my neighbor walking her dog off leash. Mm-hmm. Okay, and Pretty common because we live right on the edge of town, our development. So a good, you know, I've got a good mile and a half where uh, Frackleberry goes off leash mm-hmm. because there's no houses. Yeah, there's nothing around. There's no cars. It's just open field and that sort of thing. So not only that, but you can see everything, yeah. right? Yeah. Flat as a pancake And so, here. And I see that there's a lot of dog owners that do that, right? Mm-hmm. And the dogs just kind of stay around and this and that. 
Well, I thought it was a bit odd because here she's walking across the street from the school. You know, we live just a block and a half mm-hmm. from the school here. And I've got Frackleberry on leash. Oh, yeah. Anytime you leave the house and take her for a walk. like So we're biking down the middle of the street mm-hmm. because for some reason now, the police force, the police department decided to stop writing tickets on individuals who park over the sidewalk because <laughs> that is against the law. Yeah. You're not supposed to park your vehicle overlapping the sidewalk mm-hmm. because it forces people to walk in the street which makes it unsafe, okay? We have more people on our block that park over the sidewalk than do not park over the sidewalk. Oh, man, there's like a car convention at the end of your block. And right on the edge of the corner where the bend is, Mm -hmm. is a semi-driver. Yeah, giant semi-driver. And I don't think you're supposed to park semi-trucks on the road either. Probably not. Okay, no, seriously. I think that's a a law. You're not supposed to either for that reason. Mm -hmm. So not only can you not go up against the curb with your bike or your dog. You have to go in the middle of the street. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's the whole thing. All right, so now I'm coming down the street. She's 50 feet behind me before she even turns on her block. Okay. Okay. So Frackleberry Hounds to my right. I'm in the middle of the road. Has she picked up on it? Is Frackleberry now? I've got headphones on. Okay. She's just focused because we're 50 feet from my house, okay? We're 50 feet from the house. We're almost home. She's tired. She just got done with her, you know, (laughs) 9.75 miles or whatever. Well, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, like biting, attacking Frackleberry out of my peripheral vision. So I got to turn and I kick and yell. So we get back in. Frackleberry is frozen. Yeah, just Just traumatized. Traumatized right in the entryway. The neighbor comes over to apologize when she gets back, but I'm thinking to myself going, okay, this is the third time that I know of a firsthand account that this dog has attacked another dog. Oh, really? Okay. So my neighbor down the block, who Frackleberry likes to go visit, Mm -hmm. um, the the girls, by the way. (laughs) The girls, two of them are pregnant, moved out. (laughs) There's going to be something in the water the girls down next there. door, yeah. So, but one of them. That's right. That's right. Must be the. Does she want you to tell it right? So she told me about the Shih Tzu that got attacked, and then another dog that they mm-hmm. witnessed. So my the 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 girls next door witnessed this other neighbor's dog, the check the Czechoslovakian Shepherd. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a new word too. Czech, <laughs> Czechoslovakian. Okay, that was kind of I a picture weird, like a Gestapo dog now. A little dry mouth there for some reason. We have ways of making new talk. So this is, like I said, the, the third time that I'm aware of. The same dogs attacked other dogs? Has attacked. And from what I saw was we were 50 feet ahead. Like there was no reason for yeah. that dog to come. So she sprinted, the dog or he, whatever, sprinted down the road. The owner didn't say anything that I heard. Mm-hmm. And it attacked us. Okay, so now I'm looking at the owner. Okay, I almost feel like I need to say something. And if I see her without the dog on the leash, do I call the cops? I mean, I don't want to be that guy, but at right. the same time, th- this came out of nowhere, yeah. and all of a sudden, this kick-ass dog is trying to bite and attack my dog. 
Yeah, I think, you know, if I saw her out again without a leash, uh, I would definitely, you know, I'd say something. Be like, hey, can we can we get a leash on your dog? But she didn't seem like she was too concerned. Yeah. Like, you know, like once she found out that there, the skin wasn't broken mm-hmm. and there was no blood, it's it's like, you know, I didn't, I didn't feel that there was much like I'm going to change my behavior. Yeah. Well, it doesn't sound like it if it's not the first time, if there's like well, that, multiple attacks. I almost feel like I need to confront her to say that, you should listen, get the whole block together, man. Listen, I, I understand that this has happened multiple times. Mm-hmm. Okay, I need to understand why you haven't empowered yourself to leash the dog around other people or around other houses. Yeah. Frackleberry has never attacked anybody. In fact, Frackleberry licks people and... and That's her mode of attack, she, slobber. Right, and she, she'll <laughs> look at me before she chases a rabbit. Yeah just to make sure I'm okay with it. I have noticed, though, the only time I've ever seen her get really upset is if if it looks like you're in trouble. Oh, she protects She's me. She's very protective of you. She will Extremely. protect me. Extremely, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's different. Yeah. Yeah, but that's, that's yeah. And yeah, so, but to just come out of the, I mean, that's, you know, it's traumatizing for her. It's it, Yeah, that would piss me off because, you know, we love our pets, you know. At the but same I, like time, it's like, do I call the cops on somebody like that? You know? Well, and the only reason was is because obviously she's not going to listen to me. Yeah. And that, that's why I'm like, well, what do I do now? Because if I actually see her with that dog off leash, that 80 pound shepherd off leash, I, I don't, I, I don't even know what to do. Like, I don't want to be that guy to stop and say, are you going to put your dog on a leash? You know what? Maybe what you could do is you could talk to the people, you know, your neighbors that have had problems and there's, what is there's like animal services or whatever on the city right where they go out and they pick up animals or they get dangerous animals yeah but i don't want to cause any problems the only thing i i I want her to do is just make sure she her dog doesn't attack other dogs well i think one thing would be to you know confront her if you see her out there and it looks like it's going to be a problem i think the other thing is you get frackleberry hound one of those spike leather collars right (laughs) so if if bruno if check the gestapo dog tries to eat her again no way, man. We're not reacting. We're setting the tone. We're not reacting. <laughs> well, positive energy-wise, you should go over and say, hey, I'm just concerned that, you know, you know your, your dog's powerful. It's awesome, but it's, you know, it's, it's a giant dog that should be on a leash. The other thing that kind of upsets me, too, is that when I first got Frackleberry Hound, mm-hmm. I actually brought her over there to meet the dog. Okay. Which I did with all my neighbors. Yeah. Because I wanted to introduce them. Introduce yeah. with the owners there in a controlled environment because I wanted to prevent something like this and she declined. Huh. Yes. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Where okay. there's been multiple times of prevention that yeah. I'm aware of. Okay. And plus, you got some other name. Anyways, it's it's, it's you know very, what I'd get a can. It's, I'd it's get a, a sticky wicket. It is a sticky wicket. I'd get a stun gun or some mace. And if that dog shows up again and attacks Frackleberry, I'd self defense, man. Stand your ground. Yeah. Well. All right. Are, are you ready? Are you ready for some March Madness picks? Yes. Yeah, so are we gonna make some picks? We are, man. Are you ready? Okay. I've got money. Let's play. No, no. We're, you're gonna make the picks. I'm gonna write them down. Oh man. Okay. Are you ready for this? Okay. In the Permian region. Imperative chemical partners versus TTS drilling. Oh man, TTS drilling is going to take it home. Okay, TTS drilling over imperative chemical salute partners. Okay, next in the Permian region, TRC construction 
versus Hibernia Resources. Oh, I got to go with Hibernia. I figured you as gotta much. You got to go with Hibernia. I don't even know what it means, but it sounds awesome. I love it because you don't know any of these companies yeah. and you don't know anything about March Madness. It's like the only sport you don't follow. <laughs> Excuse me there. I had a little cough. Now, if you want to do a rugby match. <laughs> you probably do follow rugby. I do rugby. love rugby. Do you really? I do. I suppose with your Saudi Arabia upbringing. <laughs> you like soccer? I love soccer. Oh, okay. I We're, can't stand to watch soccer. I can tell I like you to play. Right I used now, to love to play it. This is the most soccer talk we will have on this, this show. This was it. This was this all. It. We covered. We've, we covered it all. We've maxed out <laughs> for the show, the series. Yep. Not all the ban- year. All bandwidth. Not the week. <laughs> the whole series. Unless there's a soccer fight, then I'll get into yeah. that. But it's more about the fight. Okay. Uh, OPS. That's Oil Field Specialty Partners. Taking on Inkland Land Company. Ooh, I'm gonna have to go with OPS. Oh, SP. OSP. <laughs> don't even... I thought. Well, I thought you said OPS. OPP. Yeah, you know me. <laughs> That's out of the Eagleford region. Down with the OPP. Okay, out of the Eagleford region. Also, by the way, we're in the Sweet Sixteen here. Okay, let's do it. Uh, Oil Man Magazine who's an 11 seed that had to have a play-in game. Really? So they're on their like third game already. Oh, yeah. They had they're, to, they're playing on house money. They upset oil, gas, OG, okay. OG directory. Your replacement when I'm on the road, Sean Forbes, who sits in as the guest co-host. Man, there's absolutely no... Uh, we clearly are not playing favorites. So Oil Man <laughs> against Edge and Murray. Who I got to go with Oil Man. Boy, the, the, wouldn't that be something if that Cinderella story continued? I just want to see how far this crazy train will go. <laughs> Had a date like that one year. <laughs> yes. One year? Yeah. One year. <laughs> All right. Elite Energy Services taking on Permian Shale. Oh, we got to go with Elite. Elite over Permian. Okay. Sorry, Permian. No, that's okay. It's they just have, in a name. Elite has an office down in the Permian. All right. So they're, they're, they're perfectly okay, fine. Okay, so they're well that. represented. Yeah, they're, they're well represented. Right. Yeah. They're out of the Rocky Mountain yeah, region. Yeah, there's really this, nothing personal here. I, I just that like the good actually works names. out because uh, the Rocky Mountain region is the Bakken, mm-hmm. okay? And Elite Energy has an office in the Bakken. They're, they're actually headquartered there. And then they've got a secondary office, which is so important down in the Permian. That's where the president lives. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that's clearly Mr. where the focus is. Mr. Allen, the president, he lives in the Permian. That's in Midland, I believe. Midland or Odessa, I forget which one. Oh, let's give his address out on the air. Yeah, why don't we do that? All right. In <laughs> I'll the check next, him out on LinkedIn. In the next game on the Rocky Mountain region, it's Apex Energy Services against Blue Sage Services. Oh, I got to go with Apex. Apex. Okay, you think the 15 seed... Blue Sage Services will finally... They're, they're the one who got the 15 seed. See, I love it because Sterling didn't know that. So Apex over Blue. I know how to pick the winners. That's how I pick horses. Oh, that's uh, by Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts is the 15 seed yep. that uh, has gone on the Cinderella story. They beat Ohio State in the first round. That was pretty unbelievable. That's the only one I've recognized so okay. far, except for Gonzaga, who is imperative... Uh, chemical partners. I do remember that. Well, I picked against Gonzaga. <laughs> did you? I guess, yeah. Yeah, you I, did. You I picked did. them to lose. Whoops. Hey. So whoever whoever the number five seed is out of that region, I believe it's Creighton. It's not Grand Canyon. All right. Let's take a look at, which is a real college. <laughs> All oh, right. S- Sand Revolution versus Smart 
Chain Solutions. Smart Chain Solutions against Sand Revolution. That's I gotta in the go Marcellus. With, I got to go with Sand Revolution. Sand Revolutions over Smart Chain. Sand All Revolution right. just, it, it sounds like a, a, a cool summer festival or something, you know? It's a Coachella, but with oil and gas. I would go to that. I totally would. I would totally go to it. We should start something up here. We'll call it Dude Stock. I would go to a Sand Revolution-led beach fest. Absolutely, I would. We should see if we can get that organized. You would. We just need a beach. I'm not sure your wife would let you go, but... (laughs) I'll go in spirit. Okay, who do we got? In the last game of the Crude Life 2021 March Madness Tournament in the Sweet 16... We've got True West taking on E and E Enterprises. True West. True West. Uh oh. True West. Uh oh. The guy who said E and E all the way, baby, on social media. He's going to take exception to that. That's all right. <laughs> That's one of the ones I saw. I like earlier. a little. I like a little trolling. Over E and E. Look at that, folks. So, according to Sterling's predictions, here we go. Let's so see how he does. When do they tee off? When do they tee off? This, uh, <laughs> Isn't that what they call see, it? I think they uh, the tip off, or they throw a strike the, or something. <laughs> tip off is actually what it was. Shoot, I was gonna say kick off. They kick off at noon. They kick off. But I uh, screwed that one up. I was too uh, busy. You're too practical. I was trying to figure out how I was gonna say. Okay, TTS is Creighton, and Imperative Chemical Partners is Gonzaga. Because this is a lot of work here. This I'm not, not even sure how I'm gonna match this up. But you're writing this all down. If I if I go to ESPN, right, or NCAA, that's who has the brackets, right? So yeah, stay away from all the other. All ones. right. So what do we have? TTS over Imperative Chemical Partners, right? That's what we're yep. looking at. So that is Creighton, Creighton over Gonzaga. Yeah, well, it could happen. So, and you said Hibernia over. Oh yeah, definitely Hibernia. TRC, right? Yep. So number seven Oregon, mm-hmm. who's played one less game because of COVID. Remember? That's right. They had less COVID members. Is that what it was? They had <laughs> they, they had less people with COVID because there was some controversy why Oregon got selected over uh, the I, other team. I didn't hear that. VCU. Oh. Virginia the, Commonwealth. They had too much COVID? I didn't know. That's what I, One of the headlines I saw was it seemed like there was some shenanigans with, well, well, Oregon had one or two, so why? Why, why can't we? Yeah. Oh, man. Did, did Oregon give it to VCU? Yeah, see? They're playing in a bubble, right? Well, that's what Lawrence Taylor used to do, send hookers up to the players. You knew that, right? I did not know that. One of the greatest sports strategies in the history of the world, Lawrence Taylor, who's like, what, the most cleanest athlete ever to play the game, right? (laughs) Giants. Snarky there. Yeah, right. So Lawrence Taylor, his his tell-all, he used to do PCP before games and cocaine. And the other one was that he used to send hookers up to like the quarterbacks and running backs and like the star players. He'd send it like the day before the game. He'd send it oh, up to their man. hotel rooms to deplete them of their energy before the game Take all of their vital time. juices. Wow. I stood up and clapped when I read that. Yeah, that's, hey, that's, that's brilliant strategizing right there, man. <laughs> all right. So uh, you said uh, OSP, Oil Field Specialty Partners, over... Was it Inkland? Yeah, yes, so, over Inkland. Uh, that's number one, Michigan, over number four, Florida State. So Michigan is the last Big Ten team out of the 11 teams that were invited. Oh, really? That's I it? just put that together right now. 11 teams out of the Big Ten were in the <laughs> dance. Wait, it's like seven pieces of eight or eight of nine? What? <laughs> 
That's it's like the opposite of what I used to do. You know, I'd be like, "Oh, here's your five pack." As I hang on to one can and rip it off <laughs> as they grab it. Yeah. Six pack, no five. five See, pack, man. Six ones in my hand, buddy. Oil man over Edgen, so that means UCLA over Alabama. That would be a big upset. Really? Way. See, oh, yeah. I, I always thought UCLA was was always one of the better. That teams. was during John Wooden's. 1970s okay. years. Okay, yes. so yeah, it's the last time I was paying attention. Lou L. Cinder, <laughs> who's later called Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> yeah, whichever team Larry Bird's on, I'll take that one. Indiana State, I do know that. Okay. Uh, elite over Permian, so that means you picked Baylor to beat Villanova. Okay. Baylor. Uh, Apex over Blue Sage, so that you picked Arkansas. Over Oral Roberts. Arkansas still alive, huh? Okay. Hey, well, if somebody's going to take down the Cinderella team, it's going to be Arkansas. People in Fargo are a little bittersweet at this Oral Roberts thing because, you know, they, they beat the Bison in the championship, NDSU. Mm-hmm. North Dakota State, who's had two very good tournament runs, where it's Sweet 16 against Kansas, and then there was a couple. We had a magical run against Gonzaga. And then also against Kansas, I think this uh, 32, we lost to him. But, you know, mm-hmm. we won the first round and then went on to, to the next or whatever. Sweet 16, like I said, we ended up losing against Kansas or beat Kansas to get to the Sweet 16. Anywho, uh, they're thinking, ooh, if we were there, we would have beat Ohio right. State. Yeah. yeah, well, that's what everybody thinks, if we were there. If Sliding Doors wasn't just a movie and it was my reality. <laughs> There'd be two Gwyneth Paltrow's. It's exactly <laughs> in my bedroom right now. Good time to plug Kate's Man Cave. Yeah, I was going to say, this is an excellent time for Kate's Man Cave. Check did it I, out. Did I force that plug a little too hard? No, it slid right in. Okay, it, was, it slid in because I, I, I looked at the clock and we're almost out of time. And i like, you know what? We haven't plugged Kate's Man Cave yet. so I am sincerely going to miss plugging Kate's Man Cave after this week because what it's weekly sponsor, right? Well, maybe we can you know, bring in some more people. and We're going to have to find... Really good sponsor names. The last game. Oh, there's two more games you picked. Okay, so the Sand Revolution over Smart Chain. So you picked Loyola Chicago to beat Oregon State. Hell yeah. I think that's going to happen. Yeah. I do. I got money on that one. Can't believe Oregon State and Oregon are still alive. Two teams I didn't even know were in the top 25. I didn't realize there was that many universities in Oregon. Didn't even know they were good enough to make the tournament. Oh, yeah. See, it shows what we know. All right, so you pick True West over E and E, which is Syracuse over Houston. Orange men. Which, you know, some, some would call an upset, and some would say that uh, they're expecting Syracuse to win because uh, Houston has gotten by by the skin, skin of their, their yeah. was, what is that saying? Chinny chin chin. chin. Yeah, the skin of your chinny chin chin. So there you go, folks. That's the Orangemen won March it all Madness. once, right? Yeah. A couple years ago? Yeah, they yeah. won it when they weren't supposed to. They were like yeah. a, a four or five Yeah, but they, they, and it, yeah. that was totally unprecedented, yeah. Oh, totally was, out of nowhere. And that's why they're trying to relate it to this. UCLA, too. I mean, don't get... Listen, UCLA is an 11 seed. Mm-hmm. That's... That's not the, really an 11 seed. Do they still have that Kareem Al-Jabbar guy? Lou Cinder? Yeah, they still got him. They don't even have Ed O'Bannon. Oh, man. Well, look at that. <laughs> Shows our times. Dustin Goverlow with the North Dakota Watchdog Network coming up next as we continue here to play hard, work hard on the morning show. Frackleberry Hound. If folks, if you want to email a studio at thecrudelife.com, if you think I should actually go and talk to the neighbor again, if I should call the cops, if you think I should just let it go, we'd love to know what you have to think on that because honestly... I don't know what to do for the first... I would, I've never thought about getting the cops involved. Never yep. in my life. But like I said, 
It just seemed like she's not going to change her behavior, so she's not going to listen to me no matter what I do. And because of her liberal arts background and all this other stuff, she'll probably listen to the cops. Maybe. Might even sue you, though. Something to keep in mind. Have a great Friday. See you Monday. I woke up on a diesel track outside of New Orleans My poncho left me and I didn't know what to sing Oh, but Willie does it, it can't be bad If Willie does it, it can't be bad The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. Exclusive interview industry news, environmental innovation at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. It's sponsored in part by Orange Property Management. The origins of Orange Property Management date back to the year 2000 when Fargo native Mike Marcel, an entrepreneur who was living in California, was starting to acquire residential properties in the Bay Area as a little side venture. Fast forward to today, Orange Property Management has grown to 36 full-time employees across 13 communities with a portfolio of over 1,300 residential and commercial units ranging from single-family homes to multi-family apartment developments. For more information, visit their website, orangeproperties.com. That's orangeproperties.com. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life, and I'd like to take a moment to tell you about Kate's Man Cave and how Kate has improved my mind, body, and my soul. Kate's Man Cave uses the latest in sexual health education high-quality hygiene products, and the hottest, and I do mean hottest, accessories from Pure Romance. Kate's Man Cave has enhanced my life more than I could ever imagine. Kate's Man Cave has quality products for my bath and shower, as well as my overall wellness. But between you and me, and anyone else listening, they also have products for my bedroom and my boudoir. It takes a real man to enter Kate's Man Cave, so if you're a real man or you want to turn your boy into a man, then check out Kate's Man Cave today. That's Kate's Man Cave. Play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Dustin Goverlow, North Dakota Watchdog Network. All right, we got to do a little watchdog time. I absolutely love what you do there at the Watchdog Network. You keep an eye on some of the micro bills, some of the macro bills at a state level, you're kind of that top to bottom and bottom to top watchdog out there, which is good because then I don't have to. You know, you can kind of keep me informed. And last time we spoke, you were uh, you cited uh, several bills that had to do with the oil and gas industry, the coal industry. I, I even heard the ESG industry in there as well. So, of course, that's all 
energy related. So, Dustin Governor, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Been well, busy session so far. Well, Be let's glad to get it done. Yeah, let's get an update if you wouldn't mind on a few of those energy bills I just named. I don't know if some of them got got deuced or some of them got passed or if they got rewrote in the Ways and Means committees or what. But uh, let's just kind of do a little round the horn and we'll kind of go from there. Sure. Uh, House Bill uh, fourteen fifty two uh, was given a due pass, I believe. Six to one or seven zero uh, in uh, in committee this week, and and will be on the floor of the Senate uh, either to today, tomorrow, or early next week. Uh, that is the bill that sets up the uh, Clean Sustainable Energy Fund and the governing body for that. Hey, just uh, time out real and, quick. Just time out real quick. Yeah, because what you just did there is is worthy of a timeout, which is one of the reasons why things become problematic and they pass and they, the whole timing of things can be political is you don't know if the thing's going to be today or Monday or Tuesday or when it is. How much notice does somebody get before you know it's, they, 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 they're going to vote on it? Because I understand sometimes people get to speak before committees and that sort of thing. You got a quick second just to give us an overview on that timing and how the public can speak and that sort of thing? Sure. The, the, the public was given uh, uh, a public comment hearing uh, earlier uh, in the last two weeks, uh, last week, in fact, actually, on, on most of these. Um, and uh, that's the first step when it crossed over from, from the House. The House passed it. Uh, after doing the, the committee work and, and amendment process. And uh, once once the committee has heard from the public, then they, they take a few days to work on the amendment. They ship those out to the full chamber, the, in this case, the Senate. The Senate will approve those amendments, and typically, uh, immediately after approving the amendments, votes on the full bill as amended. Uh it gets put on the calendar, so we can we can kind of guess when it's going to be, but it can be held over one, two, three days, uh, depending on uh, whether uh, the the party leadership wants to whip more votes, if it, if it might be a close vote, uh, and things like that. So we okay. We so let's say know, let's just for argument say March first. Okay, just for just for basic exercise of. Uh, uh, government 101 here. So the public gets to comment on March 1st, okay? And then after that, they they do not, correct? Correct. Okay, so, I, so then it goes to... Comment via email directly to legislators. But, so, but so then it goes to the House. The committee hitting that then it goes to the House, right? Yep. After the public comments, okay. How How many days go by in the House? Is it one? Is it four? Is it... Do we know? Uh, I would say typically it's about seven days. Okay, so a week. Uh, we'll say a week. No, just just again, yeah. basic exercise here. Folks, this is not a science. This is an exercise. So, okay, so we're at March 8th. We're at March 8th now. So now um, it then goes to the Senate, right, if it passes. So now mm-hmm. th- there's no public, there's no public uh, uh, speak at this time still, right? We're still behind the closed doors of the Senate and the, and the House? No, then, then 
once it goes to the Senate, the Senate committee uh, will have their hearing, and that will typically happen about seven to ten days after it is crossed over from the House. And can the public speak and, at that time? Yes, they can. Okay, so yeah, now, you, now let's say we're at March 15th, okay? We've had two instances where the public can have their voice in a controlled venue, right? Yeah. But over the course of two weeks, you mentioned that you can still email your legislator or your senator or your congressman, if you will, your, what do they call their house representative. Um, or you can take them to dinner, right? So if, if, if you're a lobbyist or you've got a good relationship with one of these guys, can you go one-on-one access time, or does it have to be by email or by letter? Does it have to be a traceable communication during that period, or after the you know can they just go and do the dog and pony show and already have their minds made up and work out the fine details with the lobbyists at night? Can that happen? Sure, sure. Okay. And that's how it's traditionally okay. happened. The only thing right now that, that uh, has reduced that is uh, the the fear of uh, ending up uh, as a ethics commission complaint. Well, there's no ethics commission in North Dakota, is there? Uh, there is, yeah. Oh, well, okay. I, I thought there was a vote. The I, I thought there was a vote a few years ago to do something with it. Yeah, yeah, they created it in 2018. Okay. Oh, so that passed. Yeah, and then and then in 2019, the uh, the legislators set up the the rules under the statute that the ethics commission would operate. Wait a minute. Uh, are you are you telling me that the people who are going to be investigated set up the rules on how to be investigated? Shocker, isn't it? Oh, you got to be kidding me. Are you serious? <laughs> that's how it works. It, because the, the, and that's because the people that created the Ethics Commission put it in the Constitution and did not itemize the rules themselves and did not give the Ethics Commission the power to itemize the rules themselves. Now, the legislature gave them some rulemaking power uh it's all very convoluted. It has oh my god! No, yet. just forget it, man. It you, you've said enough. We got the idea. We know what's going on. Okay, so let's get back to. I just wanted to find out if you know who was kind of really running the show here. If because I listen, the last ten years, I have heard of so many people complain about what a waste of time it is to go to these public venues in front of these state and and house people okay the the state house and senate because it's like they say it's a waste of time it's a dog and pony show all the real decisions are made after hours and you can't have access to those people and etc so i just wanted to find out just the bare sterile without getting any editorializing in or what the timelines were and what the rules were and what you're talking about is just a breeding ground of the of the anecdotal evidence I've heard the last 10 years. So, I mean, I don't want to get, I, I don't want to get into that, but I think everybody knows how that works. So uh, let's get back to the energy bills for a second, because that's what we're really doing here. We, you and I stir the pot enough on our own. We don't need to combine and do it together. So let's, um, let's get back to this HB House Bill 1452. Okay, so you mentioned... That got a due pass six to one or or seven to zero. And what was that one again? That creates the Clean Energy Sustainability Fund and and gives it forty million dollars out of the general fund. Uh, and it sounds great, you know. It sounds like who who could oppose clean and sustainable energy? It's like opposing children, right? Uh, but 
ultimately this money will will at the end be used to uh, prop up the coal industry and coal power by subsidizing the research for uh, carbon sequestration and then ultimately beyond that possibly the um, uh, enhanced oil recovery of, of using CO2 to refract wells essentially and um, uh, you know the, 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 the goal is to make coal power cleaner and they hope that if they do that by sequestering and reusing the CO2 that somehow Minnesota is going to change their mind about coal power and want to buy our power again. And, and right now we're on this track in the next 10 years for a lot of that demand for coal power to, to uh, diminish and, and whittle away because Minnesota has these, uh, these laws about how much of their power can come from coal and how much has to come from green energy and, and those, it's a sliding scale for the next 10 years, 15 years. And, uh, and this is not anecdotal. This is actually in their uh, quarterly report or their annual report, isn't it? This is where your information is coming from as far as we're talking about specifically like XL Energy, who basically has got a major monopoly in the state of Minnesota and all the way through Colorado and a lot of areas too. So they've, they've got a big footprint. XL Energy does. But from my understanding, from what I go all the way to Texas, actually. Okay, they go down there too. So that that's, yeah, yeah, they're they're very relevant with this program. But what Dustin's talking about is we put this out in the crude life about a month ago or a month and a half ago. It was a, a just a paragraph or two in their annual report or their quarterly report. It was some report and basically said they're going to phase out North Dakota energy in the next five to 10 years because it's based on coal is how I read it. So that's what we're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. And, and in fact, uh, just just yesterday, uh, uh, it was put out by uh, Rob Port on his blog that Excel is sending around emails bragging that they're going to ship down North Dakota coal even sooner than they planned on. Oh, good, like, for, good for Rob. Good for, for Port. Good for him. You know, and, and, and this is all, of course, government-induced problems, right? Gover- governments both in, the, in Minnesota and government at the federal level has created these mandates and, and distortions in the free market. So we've got to react to them. Now, what's interesting and, and what I've been saying is we're finding out that being a net exporter of energy is not that much better than being a net importer. Because if you're a net exporter, that means you are dependent and reliant upon your consumer market wanting your product. And if you're, if the government in your consumer market doesn't want your product, you don't have a market. And and so we we are getting stuck in the middle, you know, of this issue. And and our legislators at, are at the behest of of the coal industry and of the energy industry in general. Uh, Ron Ness has been pushing these things as well. Uh, I've actually seen more uh, more out of Ron Ness with coal lobbying than I have with oil and gas lobbying the last year. And, I, and I'm being totally serious about that. And I'm going by headlines that I've seen in the paper. You're not wrong. There, there is a dynamic going on. Uh, I, I, I have some speculative, theory, some speculative theories about that, but uh, I'll, I'll leave that on the side for now. But... Um, the, well, that sounds juicy. The, well, I think that ultimately... <laughs> no, no, don't get into it. Don't get into it. Anyway, uh, getting back to the, the issue, you've got 
industry begging the state of North Dakota to subsidize and bail them out because they, they don't want to spend their own private company money to do the research. They want the taxpayers through the general fund the first two years and then ongoing in, in House Bill 1380, they want a permanent $40 million every two years stream out of legacy fund earnings to subsidize and prop up uh, their, their uh, carbon sequestration research and, and ultimately building a uh, pipeline of CO2 from the coal-fired plants out to the oil fields, which will cost hundreds of millions of dollars, by the way. Interesting. So that one is now going to the Senate. Is that what you're saying? Yes, it, it is headed to the Senate floor, and it will probably be acted on sometime in the next week. Okay. For sure. HB 1452. So if you've got anything you want to uh, two cents, folks, make sure you email or contact or take out to dinner your Senate North Dakota State Senator, to get your voice heard on that. And uh, what else we got in the world of uh, legislative bills that we should keep an eye on from the energy industry? Uh, well, then, then we've got House Bill uh, 1412, which it looks on the surface to be a tax cut, but it's actually not. Uh, it, it looks like a tax cut because it reduces the coal generation and conversion tax by 60%. Is this more coal? New tech. Yeah. More yeah, coal more legislation? Coal. Okay. All right. Yeah, and, and it 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 so it cuts the, 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 the coal generation tax by sixty percent and then creates the lignite research fund tax, which is a way to funnel more money into the lignite research fund, which is yet another avenue for subsidizing the industry. So they are they, they're basically uh, cutting their own taxes and, and kicking themselves back more money for their own research uh, instead of it actually going into the general fund. So this is a, this is another way to get money. Uh, why they don't just do a, just do the tax cut straight up. I don't know, but you know, they, they, they do these things in, in such a way that it makes people feel good. And um, that's what all this is about is feel good legislation. It also creates another quasi unaccountable government organization where they're not quite the government, but they're completely, you know, they're funded by the government, but they're appointed. So they're not accountable and you got different layers involved. And yeah, it's, I, I, I see it too. I see it. Yep. So, okay. Let's, yeah, so, so go ahead. Together. It, it, it really is. It's one big agenda. Um, and despite the fact that some legislators don't like that being pointed out, uh, the, uh, th there is an agenda here these, these three bills combined, which three now, uh, okay. a, I only heard uh, two house bill 1452, yep. 1380 oh. and 1412. What was 1380? That's the legacy streams bill that creates the long-term $40 million every two years, uh, subsidy for the, the, the entity created in 1452. They separated it out so that people wouldn't know that it's a permanent uh, spending program. What are these things like Autobots where they construct a con together and make a Voltron deal or what? I mean, what's <laughs> going on here? I mean, these things are working <laughs> together. I mean, what the heck? Well, 
Well, the, the fourteen fifty two on its own is only a one time spending in this biennium from the general fund. Thirteen eighty puts that forty million dollars every two years starting next biennium in. So they're able to pass fourteen fifty two as if it is a one time program with no reoccurring expenditures. Then in thirteen eighty, that's where the reoccurring expenditures come in. As a way of of making the fiscal note look better. Uh, and, and, you know, they, they threw enough legacy fund money at other things so that they can get that voted on. Uh, this is all just, you know, how, how legislative sausage gets made. Um, and, but they don't, they don't like it when people point this out because, you know, they don't like transparency on this issue because they want to, uh, push this, uh, those three bills combined total, the fiscal note is basically $75 million every two years going forward, the entire, to put that into perspective, the, the entire corporate income tax last biennium only brought in $190 million. So instead of doing what they want to do and bail out one industry, uh, with that money, we could actually cut the corporate income tax almost in half and benefit all industry in North Dakota. Uh, you know, ultimately, there are many of us who want to see the income tax both on corporate and personal income abolished in North Dakota. And, uh, you know, we should be doing that instead of, of just bailing out one industry because we, we need the, the entire economy to flourish, not just one entity because it's 40 million now, but down the road when they get more, get deeper and deeper into their program, uh, they're going to need more money because every government needs more, every government program needs more money. They don't, they never go down in in that day. How about that ESG bill? What was that one? Do you remember the ESG? Um, North Dakota wasn't going to do any business with ESG or something like that. Yeah, that was Senate Bill twenty two ninety one, which was in the Senate converted into a study rather than actually implementing policy. It got shipped over to the House. And I believe the House passed it as a as a study, and that was the problem with it in general is that if you uh, if you preclude the yeah it was signed by the governor yesterday uh, if you preclude the state from investing in ESG uh, based funds or companies the state will no longer be able to invest in anything but federal bonds uh, even Exxon. Uh, is is chasing that ESG goalpost. Uh, Apple is is one of the main ESG companies as far as uh, high on the roster. Just got an email uh, from Conoco this morning bragging about their new ESG certification. Yeah, yeah. So they're all doing it. So, so the state. Yeah, we. Just, hey, hey Dustin. Dustin, idea. this is yeah. exactly what we brought up a month or two ago when it got brought up initially. How you and I, you and you and I, you and I, a couple casuals pointed out that is like the biggest problem they have. It's kind of like if you have a car with no engine, and a bunch of people are saying let's go on a road trip, and you got two guys saying guys it's not going to work because there's no engine. Well, everyone else is calling those guys nuts and crazy this and that. Well, and then at the end of the day, all the people that were calling the couple guys nuts and crazy are now trying to educate those people on why the car doesn't move because there's no engine. That's what's going on here, is that a lot of these uh, legislators are trying to react to things 
And spending big money and time and resources off of an emotion and a reaction only to find out now they got to go spend a shit ton of money in order to figure out a way to educate all those people that were trying to say slow down. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And if the state was to implement this whole strategy fully and divest of everything related to ESG, uh, our pension funds would collapse almost immediately because there wouldn't be enough uh, dividend and interest revenue to, to sustain those programs. When, when, when I saw that bill introduced, I knew immediately that um, this session was in trouble because there was there, there, there's a lot of a emotional legislation going on right now that does not have a lot of thought put into it. And, and now they're making amendments and this and that and trying to cover their tracks. I suppose at the end of the day, the usual suspects will get the money for this ESG report, huh? Have they, have they already sure. have they already determined it, or is it gonna, or is that gonna have to go to a federal lawsuit like the logo nickname or whatever, whatever the heck? <laughs> well, right? Isn't that the good old boy network was so bad it had to go to a lawsuit because of the logos? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. My guess is that if if the interim committee does outsource it, that there's going to be a process for that, and I believe that it's a legislative study, so. That it won't be in the hands of the governor, but um, the 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 overall issue that we have is, like you said, they are making laws based on emotion. They're making laws that are growing government. And if Democrats were doing these things, we'd call it socialism. But it, because it's Republicans, apparently now Republican socialism is good and Democratic socialism is bad. That's where we are in the state of North Dakota right now. I agree with you, by the way, and I've said this for a while that, you know, North Dakota Republicans are a little bit different because when you go down to Texas or Oklahoma, those are those are self-made men. Okay, those those people have true skin in the games, okay? And and women, by the way. In North Dakota, a lot of the wealth came from the government off of subsidies. A lot of farmers are are rich because of subsidies. And a lot of North Dakota I mean, for what was it? Every dollar we send into the government, we get two bucks back. So there's a lot of wealth that the government, even, even take like, um, uh, you know, some of the bigger companies, they, they come from ag and that was completely subsidized from the beginning. Now it was a system and they had to know what they were doing and these were intelligent men. But if you've got a guaranteed check coming every year and you've got insurance and you've got three or four safety nets. And then even if you do fail out at the end of the day, you get bailed out. Well, yeah, you can do a lot of things versus somebody who's, if, if they don't strike it on this wildcat, well, they're done and their whole family's done. So it's, it's a little bit different. So I think it's interesting. You bring up the, you know, Republican socialism and the, you know, Democrat socialism because I get a, a text every day saying, got my Biden bucks. You know, they call it Biden bucks. But what, what did they call it when Trump did it? Trump tokens? I didn't know. I, I, I guess I didn't pay attention. I, I but, call them Trump bucks. Yeah, Trump bucks. So <laughs> either way, it, it's, just, it, it's like you said, it's, it's a horse of peace on a lot of it. But I don't know. My understanding is that uh, the, the government has grown significantly in North Dakota in the last 20 years. And it's been run by Republicans. Yep. 
Yep, yep. Republicans that ran it, you know, from 2003 to 2013, uh, the the size of uh, the, the amount of spending at the general fund level went from 1.7 billion every two years to 6.3 billion every two in ten years. It almost tripled. I, uh, I always heard, by the it, way. It, oh, go ahead. Sorry. It, it came down in in 2015 and 17 because oil crashed. But now it's it's back on an upward trajectory, and and we you, you mentioned that ratio of, of how much we send to the Fed versus get back that has shifted a little bit. But our a lot of our spending growth is because we bought into these these matching fund programs where the, the Feds would match state spending, and then the federal money disappears, and the state still has to continue the program, and so we get stuck. And there's so much spending that we legally cannot. Uh, cannot stop because we took on the program in the first place, chasing that matching fund free money from the federal government. During that pandemic, I heard that, you know, there was federal minimums. So like North Dakota, the COVID money was the same as like Las or uh, Nevada and Arkansas. And so like, you know, a little old population of North Dakota, that's why they were, trying to get rid of so much money. And of course, all the usual suspects, they got their millions out of the gate before anybody else had a chance, it seemed like. And, um, and then, you know, everybody else gets the scraps, but they had a ton of uh, extra money there. So, I mean, I, I would, is, has that been discussed by anybody at all, the, the federal minimums or anything like that? Does that get played into the legislative sessions or, you know, because I would it, imagine it that, that that would be somewhat substantial if people are getting money for a year and they're not going to get it after that. Yeah, and North Dakota has done fairly well on a per capita basis on, on pandemic relief. Uh, and they they are finagling how to use that. Now, as made headlines on the last package, some of that money is precluded from being used if, if we as a state cut taxes for the next four years. Uh, I mean, that, to me, that's a reason to not take the money. But, uh, you know, th- th- there's always this, this greed. You know, they see the, the dollars they're laying on the table and they don't want to give it up. Yeah. I was asked this, by the way, and I don't, I don't know if this even exists, but when I was down in the Permian, some people were asking me about up in the Bakken and, all these different things. And, and somebody just flat out asked, you know, is because of the, uh, the amount of state money that has gone into the industry in the last year, whether it be, you know, uh, plug in wells or, you know, stimulus or keeping them float or whatever it is. Is there a list of, of the uh, energy companies that are getting money and, and how much it is and that sort of thing? Because a lot of business development people are wondering for sales purposes, like for leads. You know how on, on Saturday in the newspaper you used to get the public permits, who's filing for permits, and then that would start a whole ecosystem of salespeople? Um, is that, do you know, is that information even available? Can, can somebody go, you know, to Lynn Helms or, or somebody like that and get a list of, you know, which oil companies have gotten which dollar amounts and et cetera? There is a list of grant money on the State Industrial Commission site for different projects um, for, for specific purposes. And, you know, some of it goes right back to, to, uh, to the oil companies. Um, well, I would, I, w- I would think get, so if the money was directed to plug wells, wouldn't you? 
Yeah, yeah, that money should be disclosed. I don't know where, but it should be out there somewhere. Yeah, I would think so too. Like, I looked, I couldn't find request. it. I, I couldn't find it, so I was just wondering. Might take an, a special open records request to get it. I don't want to do that. They might charge me. They um, always want to charge you because that's how they keep you from from asking for it. Well, I know because those, those little guys that are trying to get that information, they got you know they got a nickel and dime us to death, so whatever. But no, I was just somebody asked I, me, and I, I, I thought that's a really good question because. Like I said, every Saturday, oh, man, there was tons of people waiting for that uh, business permit and building permit codes and that sort of thing because, you know, if you sold decks for a living or if you sold nails or whatever, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, a, it's a leads list to get going, you know. And um, anyway, it made sense to me. It made sense. So that's all. I just thought I'd ask you because you, you, you know that It's always good stuff. to know who's getting the free money and, and go after them. Uh, well, my understanding is the free money is supposed to be the trickle-down beginning, that the people that get the free money are supposed to use it to do the trickle-down economy. And if that's changed, then, then I'd like to know, because that's my understanding of how this whole system has worked. So if we've gotten into where just a certain group of people are going to keep the money, well, then the game's changed, and I think the, you know Hovind and... Kramer need to have a press conference immediately and tell us that we're no longer in capitalism. That's all. Well, it, the the uh, the type of, of socialism that, that Republicans promote is the kind where the government offsets private costs. It does not uh, reap a return directly. Uh, if there was, if we were putting more strings on these programs then we might be able to do that. In the old days, there was, you know, like case loans, there, there was a requirement of you hiring so many people and providing so many jobs at such a, uh, a dollar per hour rate. But a lot of this, they've gotten away from that because, you know, it's just too much work. It's too much to ask companies to actually provide jobs for the money that the government's giving them. Well, they might need a new yacht, too. Well, it's right. true. Well, hey, man, keeping up with the Joneses is so relevant throughout the human mm-hmm. genome is that religions actually have it as one of their laws. Thou shall not covet thy neighbor's wife or possessions. I mean, I'm telling you, man, right. it, it's keeping up with the Joneses is, is, is as normal as keeping up with the Kardashians. And so if, you know, if, if we're supposed to believe that the trickle-down system is supposed to work, but yet somebody wants to do a stopgap by buying a yacht because some prince in Saudi Arabia has a yacht and we're now in a global economy. Well, that's what I mean. The game's changed then. And this private-public partnership or soft fascism or silent socialism, I've heard all kinds of different names for it. I don't care either way. I just want to know what we're living in. That's all. (laughs) I'll adjust my life accordingly, but I need to, you know, I need to have a have a level playing field of, of just uh, some straight-up knowledge here. And so it's a little bit different when you feel like you're living in two different or three different worlds these days, especially with COVID and, and accessibility and now the pandemic excuse and all kinds of different things. So are people able to, by the way, people able to show up, or is it by Zoom, or do they have to do it by phone, or how does that work with the COVID laws? Uh, the legislature has been taking in-person testimony as oh. well as uh, a Zoom, uh, which has made it nice to, when, when 
when I've got three uh, bills to speak on in the one hour period, it's a lot easier to to hop between Zoom calls than than uh, shuttle between rooms at opposite ends of the Capitol. Hey, speaking of which, I get did the did the uh, bill that was going to put a tax on wind energy in order to give a stimulus to coal. Did that pass? Good question. I believe that was that that that, that was the bill, right? Was 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 the gist there, of it there, was yeah. to put a tax on wind energy in order to basically through some programs give it to the coal industry through uh, enhanced stimulus or tax credits or no, I think it was straight up stimulus, wasn't it? Just straight up diversion of that tax. Anyway, I'd, I'd just love to keep an eye on that one too. If, if, if you don't know it, no big deal. But I just, I, I remember that one from the last time we spoke. It was 1458, I believe is what you're talking about. Let me look that up just real quick. And uh, it was withdrawn. It was, okay. It was with. Yeah, yeah, they gave up on it because we kept saying, you know. Well, first of all, there are laws. It would have been found unconstitutional because they were they were actually targeting. They were going to take half of whatever the power company got in a federal tax credit. And there's standing court cases and laws that say that states cannot directly or indirectly tax the federal government. And and this would essentially have been a tax on the federal government by taking half of the tax credit that the federal government was giving for the wind power. This is another good example of uh, trying to do an emotional legislation before knowing the process or the facts. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, you got to know the law before you try to change the law. And if you don't know the law, you know, you're going to make some some silly suggestions. Oh, my. This is like back when when North Dakota passed uh, Measure 5, the cannabis one and they had they had a couple of periods out of place and a couple exclamation points. So all of a sudden, the technicality came down, and then the and then they tried to pass a law that said no more measures on the North Dakota ballot. It has to go through this special committee that the legislature uh, knows knows and appoints, so that that way they can approve and make sure there's no stupid laws that are filled with bad punctuation and grammar and that sort of thing. And here's two examples that they should have done their own, they'd taken their own advice. <laughs> I mean, we had two. Yeah, I, I think that we need, <laughs> we, we need a citizens committee to vet every legislative bill before the legislature even deals with it because, uh, you know, they, they put a lot of stupid bills in themselves. Well, t- take a look at the ESG one, okay? That one, here's two, two citizens that could see the flaws in it immediately from a constitutional point of view. Not, not even from anything else, just from the smell test, if you will. And um, right there, it costs the state millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars because now they got to do a study to find out why they didn't understand the system. So there's a great example of how this citizens committee that you just brought up um, would, would have saved the taxpayers hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe millions, when you include the the amount of time and energy put into stupid bills. So I don't think it's crazy yeah. at all. I don't. And, and, and in theory, the, the citizen legislature should do this themselves. But, uh, you know, the, the problem is that everybody has their own idea on how they can fix the world, and, and they all want to be king. And, yeah, sure, I mean, if, if you could tax the federal government, you know, that would solve a lot of our problems. 
<laughs> it's just not legal. Right, exactly. Um, well, anything that uh, energy companies out of state should be, you know, anything specifically for out of state people that they should be keeping an eye on when it comes to, you know, legislation or pipelines or oil and gas or, you know, extraction taxes, anything standing out or is it just primarily coal and wind? Well, there, there's plenty in those areas. They're more niche. They're more related to the regulations of those industries and, and less uh, less about asking the taxpayers to uh, pay for their businesses and pay for their research and development. Uh, you know, it, it just comes down to the right now this session, is a, there's a big push to socialize the private business costs of the coal industry. And, and that's where they want to go. And, you know, it, it's going to become, it's a big boondoggle. Um, you know, it, it, you might see uh, something like this even get referred. Well, you know, here's $40 million ongoing is, is a lot of money. And, and uh, you know, after three bienniums, it would be as much as the, uh, as the uh, Teddy Roosevelt Library. And that, they tried to refer, so... Maybe some, uh, some ambitious people will uh, do that with this as well. Okay, a speculation question here, and we'll conclude this portion uh, of the interview, if you will. Um, do you see a day? Okay, we got a state bank, and we got a state flour mill, right? There's a there's a state mill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, a state state power plant. Do you see that happening? I think that's going to be the ultimate result of, of this push, and and it's going to be designed in a way that is um, is going to cost us a lot more than what it would cost to build a new one. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, yep. that's that. That's what I see when when the way that you were just describing some of the bills they were putting into place and just some of the things that are going on, especially through this carbon sequestration, carbon the carbon CSUS. Uh, that technology, yeah. there's going to be there's going to be a lot of money being spent on that. That's going to go to the usual suspects and um, you know some studies and and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, delegation type thing. It's it's going to be yeah yeah lots of. So it's interesting that there's so much legislation focused on that. But well, and, and, and in that uh, realm, the the uh, the ultimate goal. They've already been talking about it in some meetings that I've overheard. Uh, the CO2 pipeline, the number $200 million to build a CO2 pipeline out to the oil fields. And it's gonna re- that would replicate what they did with Western Area Water Supply. But instead, this time, it's going to be with CO2. Uh, you know, fortunately, there's no private business in that market right now, so that it wouldn't be the government competing with private business like the Western Area Water Supply. But... Um, you know, we're probably going to end up owning a CO2 pipeline and distribution network out west. And, and that'll be a subsidy both for the coal industry and for oil if it works. Hmm. Well, how can people support your good cause and good work out there, sir? They can go online to watchingnd.com, sign up for our newsletter, and then also, uh, you know, we have a button there to donate some money if you want to help. Uh, Let's keep an eye on the government. Exclusive interview industry news, environmental innovation at thecrudelife.com. you build a bridge and I'll have a on the
Food Life with Jason Spies. Thank you for joining the program today. You know, I, I come from an oil background. My family's been in the oil and gas industry for 60 years. I, I think the thing with the younger generation is the younger generation has pretty much bought into the climate change phenomenon. They really believe everything that people tell them. We just want to thank everybody that has been so supportive of us, and especially you, Jason. Without without your help, I don't think our event would be as successful as it is. So I, I don't want to be real critical of them because being a guy who's, you know, dad has several small businesses and, and coming from that sort of small business background, I get it. I mean, the, the, the operators here were put in a real bad position by the state of North Dakota. Well, that we've got people like you to pay attention and bring us information on stuff like this. Prices can't go any lower for services. I, I, they're, they're too low right now. I, our margins are in the single percentage point if we're lucky, and we're not lucky that often. You're exactly right. ESG is becoming more and more important to shareholders. I can speak for my 20 companies. They take it very serious. It makes perfect sense, and I thought you had a really good show last week. Jason, I love your inquisitive questions because you you ask important questions that that lead to the most important truths. Hey, this is Kevin Kramer representing proudly the state of North Dakota in the United States Senate. I'm Jason Spies, who's like the best energy interviewer in the world. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. We all like living the crude life, so... <laughs> The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. My name is Jason Spies and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk about Women's History Month. Every March since 1987, Congress and U.S. presidents have designated this month as Women's History Month. This year, the Crude Life celebrates and honors their accomplishments and vital contributions in history with interviews and stories that center around women's experiences in industry. These women are not only modern-day leaders, but they are truly historic as well. Today, we talk with Rose Puglisi, Mesa County Commissioner. We're always trying to inform and engage our constituents, people from across Colorado, and in some cases, people across the nation, as to what we are trying to do. Um, Really, we just want to get the message across that one-size-fits-all does not work for our communities. Our access to the resources is different. Our resources are different. Um, Our wells are lower emissions. And some of these regulations are so onerous that our our companies are just going to close those wells down. And in rural communities where we depend on our natural resources, along with other um, diversified areas of our economy, it is really important that we protect those resources. So we want people to get informed about these issues and obviously continue to get engaged, whether that be on social media to inform their friends and neighbors, write letters as well, especially during these rulemaking processes, submit comments. We find and have been incredibly frustrated um, that most of the regulations that seem to either go through the legislature or become um, the formation of ballot questions originate in California. And when we see those ideas coming forward, we find it very difficult to, to combat at some point. To listen to the full-length interview with Rose Puglisi, Mesa County Commissioner, or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Please join us all month long as we celebrate Women's History Month here at The Crude Life. From the staff here at The Crude Life Week in Review, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota. 
home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. So there's still people without power as of this morning. You know, right now, I think there's very limited driving out there in West Texas. They're generating about 5% of the power today uh, in, in Texas. Sensitive microphone because I just poured a glass of water because we don't have running water here yet. I mean, this, is, this has been uh, a very trying week for a lot of people across the state of Texas. Uh, there are, and let me just say this, I'm sorry that so many Texans were let down by their grid. On the phone talking with us today, Chairman Christy Craddock of the Texas Railroad Commission. We have roughly 470,000 miles of interstate and intrastate pipe and pipelines in Texas and roughly another 500,000 miles of gas utilities uh, lines in Texas. So we have a lot of, and gathering lines are in that 470,000 miles as well. So we have a lot of pipe in Texas. We're the largest pipe state by a sixth. It, it is a very challenging day in Texas right now. Uh, the grid operator is projecting that nearly 3 million homes in Texas uh, are without power today. Uh, and, and there's. It's our snowing here in Lubbock again. I mean, I don't. I thought it was supposed to be sunny today. So I'm from Odessa, and that's a big part of my district, but I also represent, uh, in addition to Ector County, uh, three other counties in the Permian Basin. So Andrews County, Ector County, Ward County, and Winkler County, but uh, all, all in West Texas, all in the middle of the oil patch. You know, when they close the roads down, we can't transport that, that those, uh, those materials. And so we can't get the product to uh, where it needs to go to get refined so that we can either one, heat our homes, or two, uh, have fuel for our vehicles. Um, with pipelines, that doesn't really come into effect. You know, once the pipelines are laid, not much can stop that that crude oil or uh, natural gas from getting from point A to point B. They are so far behind the curve on getting the storage, the battery storage, uh, in place to be even be able to handle a, 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 the, in, you know, the most minute degree of storage for a case like what happened in Texas. And now, you know, there's gonna be a spotlight on that. And just an incredible impact. We saw nearly 30 gigawatts uh, come offline yesterday. Half of the lodge went without water since Saturday. On Friday, the Railroad Commission uh, took quick action. I know you recently had Chairman Craddock on. 
will have water for until 5 p.m. and then we'll be off again for the night. On Friday, I sent a letter asking the Public Utilities Commission of Texas to rescind its order authorizing uh, these uh, uh, generator, these generators or these providers to increase the rates. You know, I don't know that true, but I don't think I'd want to be in a hospital in Dallas, Texas on, a, on life support and know that wind energy is going to be my source of keeping that machine running, right? J.P. Warren reporting from uh, Houston, Texas at 9, 12 a.m. Uh, I don't even know what day it is right now. I think it's Wednesday. Uh, we ran out of water yesterday. Well, I've had maybe three hours of sleep in three days.